Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress-them-on-the-third-date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This is the Sports Edge with Rick Wolf on your flagship station for New York sports. The Fan, Sports Radio 66 and 1019 FM, WFAN, New York. Hi, everybody, and welcome to this week's edition of Rick Wolf's Sports Edge. I'm your host, Rick Wolf. Well, we have a very special show for you this morning. We're going to focus on two important topics that, in my opinion, are clearly intertwined, and both of them are gaining more and more momentum in the world of youth and amateur sports, and they're going to have a real impact on athletes who are currently in high school and who aspire to play college sports in a few years. Now, first up, we're going to do another deep dive into this growing movement where NCAA athletes are now banding together to not just request, but quite frankly, to demand that they have the commercial rights to their name, to their likeness and image, and to the right to sell and market their name and brand while they're on athletic scholarships in college. Then we're going to see how all of this meshes with the idea of having a, a commission or a commissioner of youth and amateur sports in this country. Now, I have two guests this morning. First up, we'll hear from Noah Savage of ESPN College Basketball. And later on in the hour, WFAN's Boomer Esiason. I'm eager to get their thoughts uh, you know, on all these topics and, of course, your thoughts as well at one 337 6666 Now, this first issue which we first headlined on the Sports Edge back in late December. Well, it's gaining more and more momentum for congressional action. Now, just this past week, right at the start of March Madness, a number of notable college basketball players took to Twitter to let the sports world know that they are not the property of the NCAA. The hashtag not NCAA property has received a lot of attention in the media and also a lot of support from current college basketball stars. Guys like Geo Baker of Rutgers, 
Isaiah Livers of the University of Michigan, Jordan Bohannon at Iowa, and many more. They're saying that receiving a full athletic scholarship to play college basketball, that is to go to college for four years for free, well, that's just not enough. And that they should also have the right to make money in addition to their athletic scholarships. Why? Because, well, the colleges that they play for are making millions in revenue, and they don't see a dime from that money. They're contending that kids on, for example, music scholarships are able to profit from making albums on, of their own work, and that kids on academic scholarships, well, if they want to, they can profit from running a tutoring service. That, that's all true. The athletes claim that they don't have the same kind of rights when it comes to their God-given talents. Now, friends, if you listen to the Sports Edge on a regular basis, you know I'm an old-school kind of guy. And to me, I still believe in the seemingly antiquated model of a student-athlete. <laughs> that is, getting an athletic scholarship is a, well, it's a big, big deal. But I also am aware that times change, and times are going to change, and they're going to change rapidly. I don't doubt for a second that the current status of student-athletes and their rights, they're going to be going through a lot of uh, correction, changes, whatever you want to call it, in the next year or so. So at this point, I want to bring back to the show Noah Savage, a former All-Ivy basketball star at Princeton University, and for the last several years has been doing a color commentary on college hoops for ESPN. Uh, and in the spirit of uh, objective candor, uh, Noah happens to be my son-in-law. Noah, good morning. Uh, good morning, Rick. But I have to please ask you to address me as Noah Savage presented by Rocket Mortgage. <laughs> you know, and friends, I, I do want to remind you our lines are open at 877-337-6666. And one of the very first notes, Noah, I wanted to ask you is, yes, I saw on your Twitter handle, you want to be referred to as Noah Savage presented by Rocket Mortgage. Now, <laughs> and I've, uh, you know, Michigan State moving forward is going to be uh, addressed as Michigan State presented by Rocket Mortgage. So as you can see, there's there's literally no end to how the schools and the programs are benefiting off of marketing every last inch of their program and receiving money for it. Okay, so I mean it's a bit of a mouthful. I know you're doing this facetiously, but clearly, yeah. I mean, I, I get your point that obviously, if if Michigan State is now sort of rebranded its name and wants to be known as being presented by a rocket mortgage. Well, why can't the college athletes do the same thing? And or why can't uh, uh, ESPN announcers do the same thing as well? It, it, it's it's you know, yeah, that that's where we're that's where we're headed. Don't, don't you think? Yeah, and you know, w when you go into to playing and being a student athlete, you are trained and you are drilled on what is a violation. You really become familiar with these rules because the last thing a coach wants is a player gets an impermissible benefit and then costs the team. And the whole thing that the NCAA tries to train student-athletes on is we don't want you to get any benefit that a student at large would not get, right? So it all comes from the idea of we don't want these student-athletes to be, quote-unquote, above the student at large on a campus. But because of the rise of social media, of different technologies where people are becoming stars, not just athletes, but people, the problem is that now the student athlete is actually uh, not equal, but, but is pretty much below where a student at large is if that student at large gets a social media following 
they would be able to market themselves, but a student athlete wouldn't. So now you're not even talking about being equal. The student athlete is actually penalized in a way because they play sports in some cases. And and what is the vibe you're hearing from your contacts in the world of college basketball? I mean, are, are the players? I mean, for example, I know that uh, we know the players are obviously responding to this this whole this whole contention that yeah they're not being treated fairly as as opposed to the other non-athletic students uh, in their college classes. And, and I gather we're also hearing some of the college head coaches are now beginning to support this movement as well. For example, uh, I think I read where Steve Pickell from Rutgers is, is supporting this too, correct? Yeah, and they have to because, number one, it makes the most sense because you're not going to take from that athletic budget pool, right? You're not going to take from the coach's salary if you're going to just go out and get a deal with Nike or get a deal with Wheaties if you're a college athlete. So for the coaches, it makes complete sense to say, yeah, go, go get a deal. Go get an endorsement deal. And the number, number two thing to keep in mind is that this would be so easy to implement. It would be so fast. And what we've seen from the NCAA, especially during COVID, is they're great at changing the rules midstream. Right? Look at Big Ten football. It was, you have to play a certain amount of games. Uh, wait a second. Ohio State wouldn't be eligible. Actually, forget that rule. We'll just change it on the fly. You know? So it would be so easy to ma- wave a wand. You could do it this week and go, guys, if you want to get a deal through your Instagram or you want to get Nike to pay you to wear a certain shoe, go ahead. And it would take under a minute to approve. And pretty much we've seen this model before, Rick, with Olympic athletes, right? If you yes. think back to any Olympics, it's a million commercials with Nancy Kerrigan or Usain Bolt or whoever. Who's the uh, third hammer thrower for the USA team? We don't know, right? Yes. And it's okay that there's certain stars and there's certain other guys that we don't know who they are. Okay, that's that's a lot to digest here. And we're talking with Noah Savage from ESPN. I mean, you said as it happened, this could be implemented very quickly. I I'm not so sure. Um, just because, as you said, yes, we saw that because of uh, the pandemic, uh, you know, the, for example, you know, Big Ten and football and NCAA, they all were able to uh, move quickly uh, to change rules on the fly. But this seems a little more complicated because, again, you have to sort of think through all the various uh, repercussions and complications of saying to, to college athletes, yes, you are now are allowed to go out and do endorsement deals. Uh, you can do... So, uh, sponsorships on social media. Um, I, you have to have, I would think, some guidelines here. Uh, and the first thing that, that pops into my head, Noah, it would be, for example, um, a college athlete. Let's say uh, you're the the star uh, on the basketball team, um, and obviously everybody knows you're a star. Everybody knows you you have a real shot to go on to become a, a, a high draft pick and play in the NBA. So a lot of attention from the media is focused on you, and people are going to come to you and say, yeah, we want you, uh, you know, sign this deal with us, and you'll be our guy, and so on and so forth. Like you said, Noah Savage presented by Rocket Mortgage. What does that do? So that kid gets all the revenue from his endorsement deals. What does that do for the other guys in the team who, uh, who aren't as talented and are fairly anonymous? How, do, how does that work out Rick, psychologically? Rick, it's the same as any team where there's, you know, disparity between talent and disparity between the level of star. I mean, I played with a guy in college, Will Venable. He played baseball, baseball as well, yep. and he went on to play in the major leagues. Now, do I sit here and cry and go, I didn't play in the major leagues. I'm so sad. It's like that already exists within sports, and it's completely fine. 
that one guy's a star and you're not a star. That's yeah, but it's, completely it's, fine. I understand the comparison with Will Venable and obviously, uh, you know, a great all-around athlete. However, he wasn't getting paid while he was in college to, to buy, you know, by, by a corporate sponsor. And, no, and, no, not at all. But the point is that if you're lucky enough to play with a guy who's going to get a huge deal, right, you're playing with Zion. You're, yeah. you're playing with Johnny Manziel. You're playing with Mac McClung of Texas Tech. These are the type of guys that would get eyeballs and would get a deal. Yes. You're going to benefit, too, because you're on the team with a star, and it's totally fine if that guy goes out and makes a bunch of money or that young lady goes out and makes a bunch of money, and you don't. That's too bad. Welcome, welcome to the real world. It's called a free market. Boy, I tell you, this is getting to be a little bit, as you say, early morning sun, uh, talk about economics. But, I mean, yes, I understand about capitalism, but if you're a kid in the team, you're saying, well, you know, I don't understand – that guy, my teammate's talented, but I'm talented too. Or he's making a lot of money off the sweat that I put into it. I'm not seeing any sort of equity for my efforts. Uh, you know, I, let's say he would go from basketball to football. Uh, he's the star quarterback, uh, and he's getting all the attention and all the revenue that comes with that under this new proposed change to the NCAA. But I'm an offensive guard. Nobody knows who I am, but I'm the guy that protects the quarterback so he can make these great throws and make these great scrambles. Don't you think that's, a, that's going to cause psychological issues within the team morale? Yeah, but don't you think that Trevor Lawrence's life is different than the linemen from Clemson right now? I mean, don't you think that already exists? And, and the, the, the bottom line is that right now everybody is the product, right? Whether yeah. it's Facebook, Instagram, your eyeballs are what are being sold. So if you're an individual who can get a lot of eyeballs, you're worth more money. Mm-hmm. And if you want to send these student-athletes to me, I'll go, well, the reason that you're not getting a million dollars is because Zion put his face over the rim and just mm-hmm. almost tore down the rim. I mean, that's exciting. And you sit on the bench. And I can explain it to all of them, Rick. It's pretty easy to explain. <laughs> well, no, I, I um, uh, you know, I, um, Noah Savage presented by Rocket Mortgage. I, <laughs> I, I'm glad it's that simple. I'm not sure it is. I, and I know that coaches, obviously, if they have to make a decision, well, obviously, they're going to support the players because, first of all, most of the coaches are making uh, seven-figure salaries, so they're benefiting for sure. But secondly, they're not, they don't want to be in a situation where they're telling their, their players or prospective recruits that, no, I'm not in favor of you having a chance to make money on your likeness while you're in college. No coach is going to say that because they're going to realize that the kid's not going to come to play, play for him or her in college. It's it's an awkward situation. Uh, you know, some of the demands that that the National College Players Association has been talking about is uh, things like uh, obviously uh, high school athletes uh, they can have an agent before they go on to play in college. So I guess mm-hmm. that means that you're going to have college coaches negotiating with with, with agents. Uh, are you good with that? What, why would why would they negotiate with agents? Because the agents would just be negotiating with the brands. Everything else would stay the same, and basically. The program, the schools, and the NCAA would basically remain agnostic to these deals that the players were making directly with the brands. I mean, mm-hmm. we're only we're only talking about name, image, and likeness, which is something that the the NCAA has kind of hinted that they were going to move in that direction. But the problem that that Geo Baker sees and Jordan Bohannon and Isaiah Livers is that now they're dragging their feet, they're delaying. Yes. So one of the demands is get this by July 1st. I mean, because the NCAA can say, yes, we're going to figure that out and then just kind of stall indefinitely. 
Well, that's true. And I, I do think that, uh, you know, we're, we're trying, in fact, we talked to uh, you and I back in December about this uh, this very same issue and the fact that uh, Senators uh, Booker and Blumenthal, uh, you know, are trying to get some legislation passed in Congress uh, and it's been delayed. And, and the fact is, is, this is, you know, the college athletes want this to happen right now. I don't know if that's going to happen that quickly. We know things tend to get slowed up in Congress and it is a complicated issue. Uh, it, it's, it's, um, it's not going to go away, and this may be the time where all this stuff is going to change and change rapidly. Um, and I, I, I just have a sense that we're looking at, at a really sort of a, uh, a, you know, a, a sea change, a paradigm-shifting kind of situation when it comes to college sports and obviously college athletes. You're listening to Rick Wolf and the Sports Age on The Fan, Sports Radio 66 at 101.9 FM, WFAN, New York. My guest right now is Noah Savage of ESPN College Basketball Coverage. Uh, Noah most recently worked the America East Men's Championship game. Uh, and later on in the hour, I'm expecting to hear from my colleague here on the fan, Boomer Esiason, to get his thoughts as well on the issue of college athletes and uh, their rights and whether the time has come to perhaps have a commissioner to oversee all of this, a commissioner on youth and amateur sports uh, in this country. And we're taking your calls at one 337 Noah, let me get right back to this, or I should say Noah Savage, presented by RocketMortgage.com. <laughs> Yeah, okay, like, Rick, that's enough. We don't want to get sued here. That was a joke. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, let me ask you this. Can, can you see or envision a college coach offering a top high school prospect a full ride uh, and a financial package, which includes outside endorsement deals that basically build upon the kid's name and likeness and so on and so forth? You, you don't have any issue well, with that? I think- yeah, I have no problem with that, but I don't think that's how it would work. I think they would say, guess what? Come to School X. We have the hugest following in the country, and talk to this guy over here. He's going to hook you up with some brands, and you're going to get your deals through them. And another thing to point out, Rick, is that it's not just going to be the multimillion-dollar deals with the Nike and the Under Armour, but you know, on, on Instagram or on TikTok, you can get a, a, an ad paid for for a couple hundred dollars or two or $3,000 for a local – company and imagine if you're a college kid and you go man i just posted on my instagram and now i have my you know my beer money my fun money for the semester it's not just going to be those guys it's going to be any level of of brand and any level of athlete that that can agree to a deal with a brand it's just going to be a, a free market i no, i understand what you're saying and i understand the theory behind the free market but my concern is that uh it won't take long for a college coach to say uh look uh we're going to give you the full scholarship. Uh, that's a mm-hmm. given. But we know you're being recruited by a lot of top Division One programs. Uh, yes, I have a, I'm going to introduce you to my colleague here who's into branding and social media. But the, ki- the kid or the kid's agent is going to say, okay, fine, guarantee my client so much money a year from all these various fi- outside financial deals. Uh, and that basically is going to be a situation where you get a bidding war just like a free agent in, in at the professional level. Uh, sure. You, you don't, already happened. You see that? You think that's okay? Well, we're getting in into weeds a little bit here, Rick. But what's funny to me is so many fans are okay with basically they're okay with players being paid as long as it's under the table and we don't talk about it. Yeah. But the second we kind of bring it above board and say, you know, come to Kentucky, we have the most you know rabid fans in the country. We're going to come 
you, you know, you're going to get more endorsement deals if you come here. Yeah. All of a sudden, it's kind of like, eh, that feels icky. But the fact that guys are currently probably cutting deals on the side anyway, I, I feel like fans don't have a problem with that. Okay. Now, let me ask you this, because we touched upon this last time you were on the show, Noah. We, uh, how does this work, particularly basketball and sneaker contracts? Kids come up to the ranks playing AAU basketball. You, those teams yeah. are often funded by, you know, uh, uh, you know, uh, Adidas or Nike or Reebok. How does that work when the kid goes to play for a program with a, uh, with a different sneaker program? Well, they, you know, the sneaker companies have a huge influence, and Whereas before, it would be your AAU team was either a Nike, an Under Armour, a Reebok. Yeah. And a lot of times you would say you would kind of get influenced or, or funneled towards another school that was also Nike or also Adidas. Yes. But now there, there's full-on circuits that are either the Nike or the Under Armour circuit where there's coaches who go, well, I haven't seen that kid because he plays in the Under Armour one. I mean, it's that kind of broken up by brand. Yep. And, you know, Sonny Vaccaro got around this originally where he said, I can't pay the players to wear the shoes, but I can pay the coaches and they'll give the players the shoes for free. And then all of a sudden, everybody in the neighborhood goes, wow, I'm a Syracuse fan and they wear Nike. That's cool. I want to buy Nikes. So the fact is that that sneaker money will be messed up a little bit from the from the point of view of the sneaker companies. If you allow individual players to go out and get their own sneaker deals. Yeah, I, mean, I would think it'd be, it'd be uh, especially in basketball, that's such a huge uh, multi-billion dollar business. Uh, I would think it'd be kind of awkward for a kid to say to a coach, well, I came up through an uh, uh, Under Armour program, and you guys don't have them as a sponsor, uh, so what are you going to do about it? I mean, I, I think that, that gets to be a bone of contention, no? Yeah, and, you know, a lot of this is just relationships, right? So if, yeah. you're, if you're a coach getting a big check from a sneaker company, and that'll fund your program, and that'll really help the kids. I mean, it's not all bad, but you're going to have stronger relationships through that company with the coaches who are also getting a big check from that sneaker company. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay. All right. As promised, uh, I want to get some calls in here. Uh, let's uh, start our conversation this morning with, uh, with Jack Smithlin over in Fairlawn, New Jersey. Jack, good morning. You're first up on the fan. Uh, how are you, Rick? How are you, Noah? Um, hey, Jack. Good morning. You know, I, I always wanted to be sponsored by Hagen Dazs and their rum raisin ice cream. I mean, you know, I, I, I wanted their coffee, but my my running back had their coffee. So, but this, why don't we just let them play ball? This is I know I know where you're coming from, and you know what? I see the pros, and I and I see a lot of cons. But like you said, this is being done already. So why don't we just let them do it? Let them. Hey, you know what? Let's let it be like um, youth baseball and, and club baseball where it's like the wild, wild west for all those people who don't understand what the wild, wild west actually means, um, you, know, with, you know, with no commissioner. You know, the wild, wild west doesn't mean that, these, you know, that the programs are bad or good. It means that it's a free-for-all. That's all. Yep. But no, it, the, point is, <laughs> the point is it's, it's kind of a free-for-all now, like you said. And, you know, people are doing this. And, you know, if you're telling me that the, that the five starters at Kentucky basketball aren't getting some kind of incentive other than their scholarships, then, you know, I, I think we're completely out of, you know, you're out of your mind. But I read an article because of your father-in-law here, and um, the article was written by the NBER, which is the National Bureau of Economic Research. And they said if 
football players or top athletes in college, mostly football and basketball, and I, and I believe in a lot of the schools, wrestling is now a revenue sport. But the point is, is that if they start doing what the NFL does, where they take a share of the league's revenue, that a top quarterback in college could actually make up to $2.4 million a year playing football in college. So if that was the case, actually, these kids can retire from sports at the end of college. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I mean fine. if you think about it, if you think about it, you know what? I never have to play pro football. I mean, that's a goal. But with the way things are going now, I remember when I was a kid, and, you know, I always thought about playing professional baseball, and I would say, and, and your, and your father-in-law has said this too, I've heard him, you know, say something to the effect that you can pay me to play. I'll go play for the Mets. Pay, I'll pay you to play the game. You yes. know, that's pay- not happening anymore, and I understand it. But, you know, the point is, is that it's a crazy, crazy world. And, you know, with athletes getting paid, kiss amateur sports goodbye, completely goodbye. Because like, like Rick said, you know, high school kids are going to have agents making deals, you know, to get into colleges. And these colleges, whoever has the best, you know, um, you know, Nike contract for you or even Hagendaz contract for you, you know, these are the places that you're going to go to. So, you know, it's, it's just a, I'm old school. I'm old school like your like your father-in-law. Actually, he's older than me. But um, <laughs> the point the, the point is is that it's a crazy, crazy world. It really is. Jack, I, and I, I just I, never fathomed I, this well, ever happening. Uh, Jack, th- th- thank you, of course, uh, for those thoughts. And uh, you know, I. Uh, Noah, yeah, I mean, I, I think that's, I think for a lot of the old timers like myself and Jack and people who grew up in a world where student athlete was the real sort of paradigm, that's what that's what college sports were all about, and you never want to cross that chasm between getting paid. Uh, you know, we, we remember things like uh, Jim Thorpe uh, way back in the day uh, being disqualified as an Olympic athlete because he'd taken some money for expenses playing in a semi-pro baseball game. That's that's the whole the, yeah. the genesis of all this. But now. Uh, now we're saying no, as Jack said. Well, there's some study that a kid is a top college quarterback. He can make two million dollars on outside right. deals in college and no, can no, retire. No. He was saying that he should get paid through the university, which I also support. Well, but what we're talking about now is name, image, likeness. Go out and get your money directly from the brand. Yes. So, so that college quarterback would make two point four from the school, and then probably another two million from deals outside the school. And obviously, I support both because I'll tell you the the full budget for Ohio State football a year ago was 109 million. Mm-hmm. That includes starter flights for the team and the cheerleaders. That includes private jet flights for the head coach to go recruiting, and 15 hours of private jet for the head coach's family to go take a vacation. Mm-hmm. So when you tell me that there's no money to do it, that's the wrong argument. But we're specifically talking about the athlete's own name, image, and likeness not getting paid to the school. That's what these athletes are talking about. Yeah, I will say, too, by the way, uh, is just to, to follow up on this, uh, if a kid uh, was able to generate $2 million or plus uh, from outside revenue while playing in college, 
yeah, that's and the kid could retire. Well, that's fine. And he's basically, uh, from one perspective, he's obviously used his his college education to to really make a a real sort of nest egg for himself for the rest of his life, and or, or to benefit his family financially. That's all good. So I, right. you know, nobody nobody um, begrudges kids coming out of college and getting top contracts in the NFL or the NBA. And that just that's they're all people are all applauded for doing that. So basically, we're just, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, Mark Zuckerberg started Facebook while he was in college. But before he started Facebook, he already had sold millions of dollars of software to Microsoft. Yes. And he was still allowed to go to Harvard and already be rich and still be a student. So what you're doing is you're putting the athlete below the student at large to say, you're not allowed to make any side money off the fact that you're talented. Mm-hmm. No, I, uh, let me just ask you this because I know our time is limited. Uh, do you see any downside to any of this? Well, the downside is obviously that the athlete will focus more on their branding and their TikTok and their Instagram than actually going out there and focusing on what makes athletics great, which is loving the game and competing and learning the life lessons you learn, you know, bonding with your teammates. You don't want all that to get lost where, wait, I got to run back in the locker room and do a post for my brand. You know, that that would add an element of just kind of, gross commercialization of the sport Mm -hmm. but the problem is that if you watch the the ncaa tournament right now the biggest winner isn't going to be baylor or gonzaga it's geico at&t and sonic because if i haven't been hypnotized to go order that sonic sunday with oreos in it i I don't know what's (laughs) happened i've seen that commercial six million times and that's the bottom line the winners are going to be at&t i'm going to walk into a store and buy a phone that i don't need because i've seen the commercial so much Oh my goodness! Well, uh, I asked well, the last question: when, when all the kids doing all their social media and obviously going to practice, uh, is there any chance that they might actually go to class during college? I mean, I'll put this out there that getting paid would actually, in my opinion, increase the chances that they go to class because it just takes one thing off their off their plate they don't have to worry about. You know, I I worked summer jobs and I came back to college with two three thousand bucks in my pocket and hoped it would last the whole semester. Yeah, I think if you had spending money already taken care of, you go, all right, what else can I do? Let me go to this engineering class or let me let me challenge myself. I, I would see it as a positive in terms of going to class. Got it. Got it. OK. Well, no, I uh, I hear you loud and clear. I think you make a very compelling case. Uh, I do think there are going to be changes. I think the real question is, uh, as you alluded to earlier, is like, well, we know just from this past year alone, that the NCAA can move quickly if they want to. And certainly this this uh, this movement uh, with college basketball players uh, posting on Twitter about uh, not NCAA property doesn't seem to be catch, catching on, and clearly it's not going away. Uh, a lot of coverage in the media. I was reading articles about it in the Washington Post, the New York Times, other places. It's not going away. The question is how quickly this is going to be implemented. Simple as that. No, always a pleasure talking to you. Thank you again for getting up early this morning, and we'll talk uh, talk you down the road. Thank you, Rick. Appreciate it. Noah Savage of ESPN. You're listening to Rick Wolf and the Sports Age on The Fan, Sports Radio 66 and 1019 FM, WFAN, New York.
Hey, just a uh, quick update from last Sunday's show uh, when we had on uh, Kevin Piggott from the Catholic High School Athletic Association in New York City uh, talking about when they're going to be given a green light to start high-risk sports, uh, sports like uh, football, basketball, lacrosse, hockey. As of this past Thursday, uh, Kevin tells me he still has not heard anything at all. So all those sports in the Catholic High School Athletic Association in New York City, they're still in the dark. Lots of guesses and theories as to why this is happening, but so far, again, no word on when they can start up. This really, this really continues to be a real head-scratcher. Uh, moving on, just a reminder that my website, of course, is AskCoachWolf.com, where you can always reach me. You can follow me on Twitter at AskCoachWolf as well. Uh, following the Sports Edge at 9 this morning, Ed Coleman, Sweeney Murdy, with their latest uh, reports regarding the Mets and the Yanks, uh, spring training begins to start winding down towards opening day. Let's get back to our topic this morning regarding the debate about college athletes and their demands for more rights, and also the parallel push for a commissioner of youth and amateur sports in this country, which would really help provide real guidance for sports parents and their athletes as they go through the process of high school, travel, club sports, and into college. And to that end, I'd like to welcome Boomer Esiason to the Sports Edge. Now, look, everybody knows Boomer from his outstanding high school career at East Islip on Long Island to his terrific career at the University of Maryland and, of course, his long and distinguished time as a star quarterback in the NFL. Boomer, welcome to the Sports Edge. Hey, Rick. Good morning. Thanks for having me on. You know, I just heard you talking about the Catholic High School Athletic Association. Uh, because of the feckless leadership of the city council and the mayor, they are getting screwed. You know, they have done everything they possibly can to be able to play their sports and do it safely. And they should be uh, afforded and accorded uh, the support from uh, City Hall uh, to allow them to go and play. Now, that doesn't speak to uh, the problems that the public school system may have. But the Catholic school uh, system has certainly done everything it's possibly can do in, the, in light of the pandemic and the fact that these kids are unable to play is just absolutely absurd. I, I couldn't agree with you more. And, and uh, again, this sort of plays into this whole theory about why don't we have some sort of centralized uh, commission, commissioner or commission to oversee all this stuff. Because if, if your kid is playing uh, at a Catholic <clears throat> high school in New York City, and you're waiting and waiting, and you see all your friends in the, in the other schools, uh, perhaps in the suburbs, they're playing football and basketball, other high-risk high, high risk sports, but you aren't. And even more so, uh, according to, to Kevin, who is the president, uh, Kevin Pickett, president of the Catholic High School of Sports in the Archbishop Diocese of New York City, he's telling me he hasn't heard anything. They haven't reached out to him. They, they haven't yeah, given him any guidance. <clears throat> so, yeah, well, this is the feckless leadership I'm talking about. And... You know, when, when you think about my own career, I, I think back to my, my senior year at East Islip in 1978. If I don't play that season, then I'm probably not going to get a scholarship to the University of Maryland. They were the yes. only school that offered me one. And I think about all the kids that missed out last year. And I can understand initially a year ago when this thing started to hit our shores and to understand what we were dealing with and, and, and how we were going to deal with it. And obviously there's 9 million different opinions on everything else. And even the CDC, which puts out guidelines on a daily basis, released their latest guidelines this week and basically said, you know, you have to use our suggestions given your situation. So I, I understand your thought process about a commissioner or a commissioner or whatever, but the problem with that is, is that we've been given a civics lesson over the last year of just how powerful all of our governors are, all 50 governors 
in the United States and, and, and the decisions that they make and how they impact everybody else. And I talked to a friend of mine who's a coach, who's a social studies teacher, and who's a father. And he told me, in his eyes, we have failed our kids. Now, this is a Long Island uh, you know, coach that I was talking to. This is not a public school coach uh, in the PSAL in uh, New York City. So right, right. I do know this, Rick. Here's the problem. We have 20 million people in our state. We have about 8.5 million people within the five boroughs. We're living on top of each other. There are not enough hospitals. There's about 670 senior-assisted living uh, facilities. We all know what happened there. Um, you know, there is just so much minutiae, <clears throat> and it's a quagmire that people like, you know, the Catholic High School Athletic Association who do it right uh, don't get rewarded for following the guidelines and making sure that their kids and their staff are safe. I, I, you know, again, the, the whole thing, the pandemic uh, had, had revealed, as you said, Boomer, uh, the fact that it's just chaos. There was no central clearinghouse. If, like these kids, and who you said, like you mentioned, your own situation, getting one scholarship offer out of East Islip. You know, these kids who play football at the Catholic leagues, they're like, well, you know, uh, we don't understand. Iona Prep is playing football, and Stepanak played football. Why can't we? What's yeah. going on here? Because this is about, uh, you know, getting getting seen getting recruited uh let's be honest a lot of these kids go to these schools these parochial schools to be seen by college coaches so to not have any kind of feedback from from uh you know the powers of be either in government or the department of health is really really vexing well i think they're also worried about you know overrunning the hospitals i can understand that in such a densely populated area that's why you know, if you had, let's say, your commissioner, you know, there's like 50 shades of gray to all of this. And I hate to use that uh, metaphor, but <laughs> there, there are. Uh, they, there can't be one blanket policy that covers everybody because there are certain difficulties that certain locales have that the others may not have. So if you are, you know, landlocked in Brooklyn and you have an outbreak in your community, you're less likely to say, hey, you know what, let's all come to school. Let's all be taught in school and let's go out and play football when we have people around us that are, you know, that have an outbreak where up in Dutchess County or Washington County or the eastern end of Long Island out in Suffolk County, that may not be the case. So like one guy or one person, one woman, whoever it may be, making a decision without understanding the localness of the, the issues and the problems that come along with those I, I think it's probably pie oh, I, in the sky and would probably say that that would never happen. I No, I hear what you're saying. And obviously we saw this take place where basically uh, you know, the, the, the state was saying during the course of uh, the pandemic, oh, no, we can't make a blanket decision because every community, every school is different. Every, the, the, the infection rates differ all over the place. So we're going to allow the school districts to decide what yeah. they, how they want to handle this. Well, yeah. I, I sort of saw that as, geez, that's that's sort of like it's well intended to have sort of a localized kind of approach, but you're also letting people who are not necessarily experts in, in the field of infectious disease have to make decisions. That's difficult. Well, I, you know, I, I, I kind of understand that, too, because every superintendent in every school district is going to be different. You know, yes. if you don't test your kids, we're not playing against you. And if you do test your kids, when are you testing your kids? And compared to what we're testing our kids and how much does that cost? I mean, the, the, the cost overruns are enormous to get these programs off the ground. Every We live in a litigious society on top of all of this. Of course. Everybody's afraid to make a decision to get sued. Um, you know, there are some people, and we talk about sports because this is a sports station, but I would say the same thing about math club, chess club, theater, band. I mean, the morons out in California put the band in a freaking, in their individual tents 
so they can play their 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 uh, <laughs> you know their musical instruments. I'm like, well, you got to be kidding me. Yeah. I mean, you know, and the other thing too, you know, and, and there is high school football going on in Long Island right now. Yes, and East Islip has played the last two Friday nights, and Donna Champy, uh, the the wife of my high school coach Al Champy, missed her first game in 53 years uh, this Friday night against Comstock. And think about that for a second. But you know why? We're outside. What, we can't have people come to games. We can't have parents watching their kids. Now, I'm not saying that Comstock had that rule. It's just that it was a little bit cold and she didn't want to go, and I totally understand that. But there are these arbitrary rules across you know, school districts that really don't make any sense, especially when you're talking well, about Suffolk County, which is a little bit more spread out. That's what I'm saying. I mean, it, it would have nice. Uh, I, I kept hoping and praying that there'd be either a Dr. Fauci or somebody like a Dr. Fauci who would step forth and say, OK, here's what we are going to use for guidelines. Here's if it's an indoor sport, an outdoor sport. Here's the parents. Uh, people can come, not come. We needed to have some sort of direct feedback or a place to go to get real Real honest, uh, you know, and, and critically important, uh, you know, objective evaluation. But that yeah. wasn't happening. And I, and I, you know, it, it's not happening. And I know every household is different. Some uh, kids live with their grandparents. Yes. Some kids only may have one parent. Uh, and everybody wants to be careful. And that's up to each individual family. And I've lived this life for myself uh, for, you know, 27 years with my son, Gunnar, and cystic fibrosis, who right. basically is living in a pandemic every single day of his life. So we know about N95 masks. We know about washing hands. We know about taking risks. And Gunner's whole life, he had to take he had to take a risk. And when he came to me in ninth grade and he said, Dad, I want to try out for the football team, I said, wait, wait, time out. Are you doing this because I played football or you do this because you want to do it? Mm -hmm. He said, no, Dad, I want to do it. I said, well, go ask your mother. And he went to his mother and said, Mom, Dad said I can play football. <laughs> but the point being is that his mental health was just as important as his physical health. And we knew the risks as parents that we were taking. We knew that their mononucleosis was out there. We knew the flu was out there. We had the H1N1 pandemic uh, in the middle of 2009 and 10, I think, if I can remember correctly. These are all things for a cystic fibrosis patient and child you worry about every single day as a parent. Now, I would say... If Gunner were in school today, he would not be playing because he has more than a comorbidity. He has a quad morbidity because it's a multifaceted disease. But I would say this. If my son were healthy like my daughter was healthy and is healthy, they would be in school and they would be playing because I wouldn't be worrying about the long-term effects of this disease because my daughter is perfectly healthy. So, mm -hmm. um, it's you know, every family is a little bit different, but I've lived this kind of pandemic life. For the last 27 years, so I think I have a, a little bit better knowledge of most people, and that's why I think that the mental aspect of every child that is missing out playing their sport that they love is is so significant, and the damage that we have done over the last year is going to be um, it's going to be rearing its ugly head in years and years and years to come. And I just I want kids off the video screens, away from the video games, and outside playing and doing what they should be doing to grow up as normal as possible. Yeah, I, th I think your um, your experience with your son Gunner, uh, I think, is spot on because obviously you had to you know, confront these decisions, you know, for the last, you say, last twenty seven years, and that's exactly what what we're now everybody's dealing now with with their kids and whether it's safe to go back to school or to play sports and high risk sports, whatever. Uh, Boomer, I we're running out of time, and I appreciate so much you coming on the show. Look, I know 
Uh, I'm well aware that you get up before dawn five days a week uh, here in the fan to do your terrific show. So <laughs> I thought a little sheepish to have you come on this Sunday morning. Uh, just very quickly, what do you think is going to happen with the, uh, the the college athletes and their movement to to get uh, you know payments uh, to make money on the side? As you seen with the not NCAA property, are you behind that? Do you think that's a good idea? Yes, I, idea? I, I am 100% behind that. You know, we didn't have the money, we didn't have the social media, we didn't have the exposure back in the early 80s when I was at the University of Maryland, but now. With social media, the amount of money that is being paid to these schools, the amount of people that are going to these games, you know, what these coaches are making. Um, I, I'm, I'm in lockstep with uh, the players. Uh, you know, I heard Noah before with you, and he, he's right on. He, he's spot on. And when you see the amount of money that the networks are, are paying these colleges and the, and the NCAA, uh, you know, the players deserve, I believe, their cut. It, it, it's more than just a scholarship. It should be uh, whatever the going rate is for wherever they're playing. So if you're the quarterback and you're Trevor Lawrence at Clemson, yeah, you should be making $2 million a year. <laughs> I mean, I don't care what anybody says. I mean, you know, that guy, 110,000 people come to those games. They're on TV every single week, mm -hmm. and they're in the playoffs and doing large part to players like him. You have no concern, as I mentioned uh, to Noah, that if you're an offensive guard at Clemson and you're anonymous and you're probably not going to the NFL, don't you feel? wouldn't you feel a little bit jealous or – I don't know, uh, put out that you're not even like it, it, it's, it's not even playing field. I, I know one thing, the, the NFB, uh, the college players are going to need some sort of union to, to protect them. And right now there is none. And I don't know if there ever will be just simply because of the amount of people that would be involved here. And there are probably some group licensing authorization that may pay lesser known players or the player that isn't known or is at the end of the, uh, at the end of the roster. But I know one thing, if I were Trevor Lawrence and I had an offensive guard that was protecting my ass, I'd be taking him out and giving him money as much as I could to make sure that he would show up every Saturday. So I look good. Yeah, that's, that's what I thought you would would say. And I agree with you. Like, you know, you better take care of the guys in front of you because the way you're making all this money is because they're, they're basically working in the trenches uh, defending you. So you don't get uh, blindsided as simple as that. Uh, 100%. So, hey, Boomer, I, I can't thank you enough. As I said, I know this is uh, your day off, and uh, I very much appreciate your coming on the show this morning to talk about this, uh, these critically important issues uh, because, obviously, uh, you know, if you're a sports parent these days uh, going through the pandemic with your youngster, trying to get him or her back into sports and do it in a safe manner and trying to get some direction as to when it's safe to go back and do this, it, it's been a real just, as I said, chaotic confusing year and uh and i had always proposed that we have a commissioner for youth sports and amateur sports basically to oversee the club and travel teams because they run in their own little world unto themselves but clearly uh the pandemic has raised other issues as well in involving p kids health and their parents health and their grandparents health as well boomer sison my thanks uh, very much appreciate you taking the time and hopefully we'll talk to you again soon Okay, Rick, have a great day. Thanks for having me on. And by the way, I did sleep in today, so it's pretty good. <laughs> Thanks, Boomer. <laughs> okay, that's got to do it uh, for me in this edition of Sports Edge. Uh, my thanks this morning, of course, to Noah Savage and, of course, to Boomer Esiason. Uh, I, I sure wish I could have gotten more calls in, but I, it was a you know cramback show, and I wanted to make sure I had time to talk to Noah and to Boomer about uh, these critically important and timely issues involving amateur athletes. That's going to do it for me. My thanks this morning to Pat Boyle. I'll see you next week right here on the Sports Edge. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. 
You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. 